Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. It is a great honor to have as our guest today, Ruth Goring. She is an artist. She is an author. She recently released a book called Isaiah and the Worry Pack through IVP Kids that we're going to talk about in a moment. She's grew up in a missionary family. She's got a passionate about uh, advocacy, human rights, serving people in crisis. And we're going to hear more about that story in just a moment. But Ruth, thank you so much for joining us today and giving so freely of your time and energy. It is my honor to be here. Thanks for your work. Ruth, talk a little bit about your backstory. What, what was it like growing up in a missionary family and, and, and what country were you in and what did it all look like? Oh, well, I could go on and on about it, but I'll try to just be brief. <laughs> my family went to Colombia when I was six and I was the second child. Um, my older sister was just a year older and there were three other siblings younger than us. So it was a family of five kids ages seven and under. So you can imagine what that must have been like for my parents uh, to switch to a new culture where they were with an agency that was very loose and really individuals, missionaries were sent out by local churches instead of really by uh, an agency where they would be trained. So my parents did not have the language yet and they had really studied the culture. We were just plunged in. It was an amazing way to grow up. My parents were very gifted with languages, and so my father preached his first sermon after only studying there for six weeks with the, oh with the private tutor that he and my mom had. He went on eventually to become a professor at a state university in Colombia, where he founded a program in educational psychology, also gained his PhD in that field. So there was a lot of interesting thinking going on in my household. We lived first in Southern Colombia, pretty remote areas. So I'm one of those people who know what it is to live with an outhouse as your bathroom and to sleep under mosquito nets and to bring up water from a well or before we had the well, um, actually in barrels from the river. And I, I just prize having had that experience, although I know it was very stressful for my parents. <laughs> and to grow up with two languages is just a great gift. Ruth, how did they explain to you as young children about what, what this move was going to be like and why it was important for the family to make that leap? I don't remember what they okay. said about it um, before we went. Uh, I think it was just part of our family culture. My parents had had both decided in college that they wanted to be missionaries. Well, my mother actually felt a call when she was only 12. Um, and my father, when he was in college, and th that was one of the reasons that they decided to marry each other was that they both felt this calling. So it was just part of our ethos as a family. And um, you do you do things that God has that you feel God has called you to do. Um, so it was it was fun for us kids. It was an adventure. Not, of course, not every day was fun by any means. There were lots of, there was lots of tedium and, and lots of hardship and, and, and all of that. But um, living in another country um, was, was exciting. That's great. Ruth, talk a little bit about how you got into writing children's books. You have a few that are on your website. When did that journey start for you? It's one of those 
things where the journey started when I was pretty much after, right after I was born, probably, because my parents were the were the types who believed, really believed in um, reading and reading with children. So every every night at bedtime, we actually had we get we were all gathered together. We would have a poem or two. We would have Bible story or two. We would have a read aloud story from an anthology or maybe chapters from a book. And we would sing and we would pray. Bedtime was a big production in our house, but it was very wonderful. First thing I remember thinking that I wanted to be when I grew up was a poet. You know, we had poetry in our lives. And then the second thing was to write and illustrate my own children's books because I love to, to write and to read and also to draw. But it, it took a long time for all of that to come to fruition. I wrote some stories when my children were, my own children were small and there was some interest from publishers, but nothing really happened for quite a few years until grown-up work was as an editor. So I stayed in the world of books. I was a manuscript editor for magazines and books all of my adult life. It happened, I was working at the University of Chicago Press. I got a lovely gig to, just on the side, present a workshop on the Chicago Manual of Style in Minneapolis, group of editors from different companies and also freelance editors in that area. And I met a young editor in a break, talked about writing for children and editing later when she was promoted and was able to acquire books, then she got back to me. That was Naomi Kruger at Beaming Books, and she was my editor for my first two books for children. Meanwhile, I had many close ties at University Press because I had worked there also as a manuscript editor, copy editor for a number of years. Beginning the story of Isaiah and the Worry Pack, I shared the story I'd written with, which I'd written a number of years ago, when, as I said, when my children were younger, with a group of friends, and one of them was Cindy Bunch, who was the editorial director at IVP, and she took, took the story to her team, and they had already been talking about starting a children's line, and, and with this story in hand, they decided, yes, we want to um, launch our imprint, and so that's a great honor for me, too, to be part of uh, establishing a new imprint that's for children at the very wonderful Enterprise Press. Ruth, that's great. But you said that the idea for the book or actually writing the story for Isaiah and the Worry Pack came years before it was finally published. Yes, it was much longer then because I did not know that picture books need to be short. <laughs> Often in the industry, they say 500 words or less. IVP decided that they wanted more in the range of up to a thousand words so that people would have space to expound if they needed to on the concepts. So I, it needed to be edited quite a bit over the years, is what I'm saying. In a lot of ways, I'm really glad that it's only being published now because it's a much better book than it would have been back then. Because I know more now about the industry and about what children really need in books and what's helpful to parents and all of that. So for people who aren't familiar with the book, just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of Isaiah and, and the Worry Pack and why you think that it matters for families. Isaiah and the Worry Pack is really a story within a story, and that's unusual for a picture book. But again, it allowed the higher word count that IVP had allowed me to, to do that. The framing story is that Isaiah is a little boy who is struggling with insomnia when his mother comes in to say goodnight to him, and she 
talks to him about why that might be and what might be worrying him, she asks him to think about it. And so they process what his worries actually are. And then she starts him on a guided meditation using imagery, a story where he is able to turn his worries over to Jesus. This is based on an experience I had with my own son when he was about 10 years old, like Isaiah. I had benefited from this kind of a prayer with imagery myself in some very, very major ways. It was amazing to, to have this experience with my son where he was able to release his worries and then mentally to use that story again. He told me it was a mini version <laughs> later nights when he was struggling to go to sleep. So it definitely seemed like it'd be shared because it had blessed him. So it wasn't just that you had like a, needed a creative outlet. You, you had like tangible hands-on experience with a story that was an, a resource for your son that, that had a pretty quick tangible results. I had had these experiences and where God would show up in a way, and usually in some way that would surprise me. And that would reassure me that I'm not just sort of conjuring up something sure. or trying to make something happen. There would be some element of surprise in what Jesus said or did in my presence in these prayers. And so it was beautiful to see that a child would be able to have that kind of experience as well. And why not? They're much more, usually, they're much more imaginatively open than, than a lot of us adults are. Ruth, when you talk about praying that kind of open, creative, faith-anchored prayer for your children, there are a lot of parents that I run into who just say, I know I'm supposed to pray for my child. I managed to kind of cobble some obligatory words together, but it, sometimes it feels more rote than it does life-giving. What advice or counsel do you have for parents who just kind of feel stuck when it comes to praying for their kids? Uh, okay. So are you asking about praying for or praying with? Both. You can answer in whatever order you deem fit. I think that praying either one with or for your child is a lot more meaningful when you're able to just have a regular time where you listen to your child. I am a huge believer in bedtime part of the day. Why? Because with my own children, I found that time when they're lying in bed and you're sitting near them and they're feeling sleepy, they will just come out with things that you would never hear from them during the day. Sometimes it's, you know, if, if your children share a room, then you might hear them chime in together about something. So for example, I grew up without, and then was a young adult also with a lot of money. So my children shared a room for many years, even though they're a girl and a boy. My daughter was on the top bunk and my son was on the bottom bunk. And I remember the day when they were 10 and five, maybe. they told me they wanted to be baptized. They had both talked about it and they were able to be baptized together. There were other more, more serious things. Of course, that's very serious, but what I mean is sadder, sadder things that they would tell sure. me. And I won't reveal details, but one time we had an experience that just shocked me because they told me that they hoped that an absent a relative of ours who was who was traveling overseas, they hoped that that, um, that person would die while they were gone. My heart just started pounding. It was a very difficult relationship situation. And I confess to you now that I've had that same thought myself, but I had never said anything to the children about it. 
course, but I just responded really calmly and I said, oh, why is that? Then they were able to just tell me what their concerns were about that person and why they didn't feel safe with that person. And it was, it was confirmation for me that I needed to put some boundaries up. If we had not had that routine at bedtime where we would be talking and praying together about their lives um, and also having these experiences of imagination with stories, you know, that helps a child understand their own life as a story that maybe they're in a moment of struggle but the story is going to continue and they'll have some resolution that's what allowed our, our prayers to be i think very focused on what they really cared about and needed so my my main encouragement is just to take the time and it's more important than housework and it's more important than your job really to take the time especially at bedtime to just sit with your children and create a safe place for them to talk. And then your prayers can be very much related to what they are going through. I love what you're saying, Ruth, because it's a, it's a reminder to us that that moment really is holy ground, that that is sacred space. And that as parents, we have a great responsibility to steward that. It's not a kind of a perfunctory racing through the, the memorized prayers or the rote prayers, but really saying, okay, how do I hold well? whatever it is that my child is is thinking, dreaming, worrying about, hoping for in, in a moment where they might be more prone to share that than not. Am I hearing you correctly there? Absolutely. It's, it's a moment where their defenses are down. You know, children have defenses just like the rest of us. I mean, it's just normal not be blurting out you know, our issues during the daytime when we need to be focused on getting things done, right? But, but those defenses go down as they're drifting off to sleep. For the same reason, I've sometimes found that my creative writing is, is really best at night. I just have more freedom to imagine things. So yeah, bedtime is, is a sacred time. That's great. Ruth, talk a little bit about how it's been energizing for you to see the book take root in families. What have been some of the stories that you've heard about how people are, are using it and maybe the way that God is meeting some families and children who have very, very legitimate concerns about real issues in their lives? I have heard a couple of specific stories. I've heard a lot of sort of more general stories about how children are just feeling comforted and understood as they deal with anxiety. So the story is about worry and anxiety. Isaiah has some very major issues in his life, which reflects um, the experiences in my, of my son, especially a family where there's financial insecurity, a single parent family, family where there's conflict between members. Those are pretty big things. Anyway, I wanted to keep those major issues there so that children who are struggling with those things really feel seen and could identify because sometimes, you know, a lot of kids feel like they're the only ones and that if other kids have worries, they're much smaller. But to the stories, just something as simple as uh, a little girl telling her mom, Mom, I'm like Isaiah. Hmm. And, and then feeling like, you know, the closeness to Jesus that Isaiah experiences is something she could experience too. One close friend has a son who was about Isaiah's age and was going through a lot of intense anxieties around the school. And she read the story to him or with him one evening. He was just holding tight onto her hand because his worries were very intense for him. And then they started imagining 
his own encounter with Jesus and he chose the space where that would be. And then as they started imagining it together, then um, his grip on our hand got looser and looser and he fell asleep. Another child in the family asked to take the book, just a copy of the book to school. And I don't know what school this is, but I wish all schools were like this. When he is feeling anxiety at school, he has permission to go to the principal's office and just take out the book. That's where the book is kept. He, it's, his, it's his comfort object. That's where the book is kept. And he gets to open it up and just look at some pages and calm himself down. And I, and I have to say that, that the art in the book, which is not my art, it was done by a woman named uh, Pamela Rice, who's a wonderful writer and illustrator of her own books, but also does illustration for other people sometimes. And it was a wonderful collaboration. She has made the art very appropriate to bedtime, very soft, but warm colors and, and images. Those are some examples where the story gives kids permission to really acknowledge their worries, but also then to release them. That's great. Ruth, thank you so much for sharing your personal family stories and for sharing your gifts with families who now more than ever uh, need tools and resources that help anchor their kids in the truth of God and faith in Christ and a receptivity to the Holy Spirit that says, I'm not alone and I'm not forgotten. And th there, this is a gift that can help me use images and words and brightness and color just, just to anchor me in something other, other than, than maybe the terror that's, that's immediately in front of me. So, so thank you so much for doing this and for doing it well. And congrats on being part of the inaugural run of this, this imprint uh, IVP kids that just launched last year. And we can't wait to hear more and read more of what you create in the future. Thank you. It's just a blessing to be here and an incredible gift to be able to be part of children's healing through books. Well, thanks for doing it. And God bless. We hope to hear more from you soon. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.